Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Monday. It's April 10th. We have NBA playoffs to dive into. Uh, We have some things set, some things left to be decided with this week's play-in games. We also have a new Masters champion, one John Rahm. We'll dive into that. Plus, we'll catch up with Brian Mahoney from the Associated Press around 10-15. The Brooklyn Nets, they're playoff bound as the sixth seed, riding Mikel Bridges and his offensive explosion with the Nets. So we'll find out more about them and the Eastern Conference as well. We'll take your calls uh, 10-30 and 11-15 today. The number is always 602-260-1060 to join the show. But let's get things started with today's poll questions and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Should the Suns prefer the Clippers instead of the Warriors in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And yes, continues to lead the way here. 71% of the vote, no trailing at 29%. Yeah, I'm not real sure how this has gone up. Uh, I assume it's gone up in the last, you know, an hour and a half or so, about 90 minutes ago, when at least I first saw the some reports out there that Paul George, if he plays at all, in the first round of the postseason for the Clippers, it's not going to be in the first couple of games of the series against the Suns. We will dive into that with our perceptions around 1130 today. Twitter at KDOS AM 1060 is the D-backs starting pitching good enough to maintain the team's hot start. They're six and four. They took three of four over the Dodgers to open up their home series of the season. No leading the way, though, at 86.7% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 13.3%. Yeah, I think it's a legitimate question, obviously. Bumgarner has not been uh, good in his first two starts. Kyle Davies injured on Saturday night. They've got some relief pitchers that uh, were moved to the 60-day injured list yesterday. They traded for a relief pitcher, Ruiz, from Chicago that had an earned run average of 22 in his first four games. Obviously, short sample size, and he actually had one huge blow-up against the Giants last week. But in spite of all the good things the Diamondbacks have done so far, mainly offensively and defensively, uh, but on the mound, I think that there's some legitimate concerns, hence the question. We will dive into that as well around 1130. So the Suns, let's uh, dive into them a bit here. They wrapped up the regular season with a 119 to 114 loss to the Clippers, which allowed the Clippers to earn the five seed and play the Suns in the first round of the playoffs. All the starters minus Josh Okoge sat in the final game. You also had sitting Bismarck Biombo with a right knee contusion after he suffered that in Friday's game. Campaign with a low back soreness. He sat out in the game as well after suffering that in Friday's game so that's how those things unfolded in Sunday afternoon's contest the Suns they finished the season 45 and 37 fourth place in the NBA West and 8 and 0 with Kevin Durant on the floor yeah I think they're you know, got to be pretty happy the way that this has gone um, you know even not including the Paul George injury situation 
But I mean, they made it through the last week. Uh, they were able to arrest guys. They did exactly what they should have done. Uh, I probably would have arrested guys on Thursday for that matter, but definitely Friday and Sunday, there didn't seem to be any reason to play those dudes, and they didn't. Uh, I think the Biombo thing could be a little disturbing. Hopefully he's okay. Monty Williams yesterday saying he's hopeful that Biombo and also campaign with the he has the back problem uh, will be able to return for the playoffs. Uh, maybe a little insurance in case Payne can't play is that Saban Lee, uh, who was obviously tremendous yesterday with 25 points and nine assists. Yeah, he gives them a little bit of a you know possibility if Payne's not you know, healthy or for that matter playing well, gives them an alternative there. But uh, you know, needless to say, yeah, Paul's going to get the majority of the minutes, and he actually has played a lot more minutes. Uh, down the stretch here. I think they've done a nice job monitoring his minutes, obviously had a couple of stints away because of injuries during the season. And I think in the long run, that could actually help the Suns in the next two to three months. Yeah, I think the the options, uh, if campaign, as you said, for injury-related re- area or just not playing as well, there's a few different directions they could go there. Uh, Bismarck Biombo, though, has clearly separated himself from Jock Landell and was getting the majority of the bench minutes after Aiton went went to the bench. And I think that that was really important because his, his hustle, his ability to uh, block some shots, his defense, he's not obviously the same type of offensive player that Aiton is, but I think that he clearly stepped into that role of being the guy that comes in in the reserve situation. Agreed. I mean, I think uh, when you look at the Suns bench, and you know, there's been lots of talk about that, including by us, uh, but I would think that, you know, if there's a you know decision point of who plays and who doesn't play coming off the bench, that defense is really important here. And as you mentioned, Biombo clearly a much better defender than Landale. And also, I think uh, uh, Tory Craig, to me, gets a lot of time and should get a lot of time. And I think he'll get even more time in the postseason, depending on who they're playing, uh, because there are certainly, no matter how far they go, including the first round, there's a lot of wing players in the Western Conference that the Suns are going to have to shut down. And they're not exactly abundant with wing defenders. Here's what we know in the West. The one seed is the Nuggets sitting at 53 and 29. The two seed is the Grizzlies at 51 and 31. They will, however, be without Steven Adams with a knee injury. I I know that they've been playing without him for several months here, but I just think his presence, his ability to be that big guy on the the court, I don't know if enforcer is the right word, but I'm going to use it, enforcer. Uh, I think this does kind of change the Grizzlies a bit when it comes to playoff time. Agreed. And plus, you know, Jaron Jackson, even going back to his Michigan State days, I remember you know, he had foul issues when he was at Michigan State. And that was actually something we talked about before he was drafted that, uh, you know, he's a tremendous talent, but uh, he's like seemingly got like three fouls before the game starts. Uh, and uh, now that they don't have Adams to, you know, divide some time in the middle uh, to some extent. Uh, I think that that's got to be a concern for Memphis without question heading into the postseason. Then you have the three seed being the Kings at 48 and 34. They're taking on the six seeded Warriors at 44 and 38. Uh, Here's my question. Will there be any defense played in this contest? Uh, I don't think so. No D in Sacramento, right? Or no D in Golden State. I guess there is in Golden State. I should say Warriors. No D in the Warriors. There you go. Uh, 
The good news is, as I kind of somewhat joked with Mo DeKeel in the last hour, you know, it's like a bus ride. He brought up the bus ride thing, but I said, you know, is it a road game if they're just going from San Francisco to Sacramento? Because uh, obviously the Warriors have not been good on the road, and I know they've won their last couple of road games, but those were kind of gimmies, uh, including yesterday in the layup festival against Portland. Uh, then you have here the four seed being the Suns at 45 and 37, taking on the five seed, the Clippers at 44 and 38. We have been discussing this a bit here. Uh, the latest report is that uh, Paul, well, it was kind of this weird non-committal report that was sort of committing to the fact that Paul George won't be available for the start of the postseason. So that's at least what we know for now here on a Monday that the Clippers will be doing this without Paul George. I think that's impactful for the for the L.A. squad. Absolutely. We talked to Mo in the last hour, and Mo's, you know, he doesn't think that uh, that George will be playing in this series, period. Uh, so it'd have to be kind of a, a big turnaround, and uh, we really, it's been, a, you know, it's the NBA. It's not just the NBA in this case. I think it's, it's kind of all, you know, sports at this point of the season, once you get to the postseason, it's kind of a, you're not going to get a whole lot. It's a vague update from the organizations themselves. And uh, that, that I don't blame the Clippers at this point. In fact, I don't. Yeah, we're past the load management garbage, thank God. And now we're, you know, the guys that miss time are actually because, you know, he's, they're missing time because there's something wrong physically with them. Then you have here the seven seed Lakers, 43 and 39, taking on the eight seed Timberwolves. So the winner uh, is the seven seed, and they will play the Grizzlies. The loser has one more chance to continue to make it into the playoffs here. But the Timberwolves have issues. You've talked about it a lot in the sports zone here. Gobert punching Kyle Anderson, being sent home during the game. Whether or not he gets suspended by the Timberwolves, we'll wait to find out that situation. Also for the Timberwolves, Jaden McDaniel fractured his hand after punching a wall so essentially everything is spiraling out of control here for the Timberwolves but also the Timberwolves just it was a head-scratching move when it happened when they traded for Rudy Gobert they gave up four first-round picks to do it uh, and now it kind of comes full circle of why it was a terrible move in the first place well, it's not a terrible move if they win on Wednesday night, whatever night that is, is whenever they play the Lakers. That's tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I think it's uh, this was not a good scene yesterday, and uh, they were arguing apparently over you know, defensive rotation and so forth. And that's uh, it was kind of apparently, you know, basically uh, instigated the uh, situation in the huddle yesterday. I actually think the bigger deal yesterday is McDaniel's. He's a really good defender. Uh, we saw the Wolves here a couple of weeks ago against the Suns. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a, one of the games that are uh, one of the few games, if they're not the only game, that, uh, you know, Durant wasn't great. And uh, part of that is, you know, McDaniels was checking him. And certainly McDaniels would have been uh, the primary defender tomorrow night uh, against LeBron James in the, in the, in the play-in game. Number nine seed is the Pelicans at 42 and 40. Take on the 10 seed Oklahoma City Thunder at 40 and 42. The winner of this contest will then play the loser of the 7-8 contest. And the winner of that contest will play the Nuggets. So we have the Pelicans here kind of limping in. Oklahoma City kind of limping in after a little bit of a resurgence. But after the Mavericks uh, effectively tanked, this is where we round out the NBA West. 
This is another game that's not going to feature a whole lot of defensive stops, probably, most likely, uh, with lots of uh, offensive firepower from both sides. They want both for the most part. Uh, certainly Oklahoma City wants to get up and down, and I don't think New Orleans has a big issue with that as, as long as you know, Zion's not playing, and obviously he's not playing. Uh, if they're, they're more of a half-court team when he does play for obvious reasons. So we'll see. But this game, you know, I'm a little surprised the point spread's as high as it is, up to five. And uh, I would think there's a, a possibility, unless uh, I'm going to wait and see if anything changes here in the next 24 hours or so. I guess 48 hours because that game's on Wednesday. But uh, I would think that Oklahoma City plus the points might be an interesting proposition there. We'll get into much more of the NBA East and breaking down uh, their seeds a little bit later in the program, but we'll continue the NBA conversation, get a little bit more about the Brooklyn Nets as they are the sixth seed behind Mikkel Bridges, Cam Johnson, as well as Spencer Dinwiddie, and some more around the NBA East with Brian Mahoney on the other side of the break. So we'll step aside here on this Monday, April 10th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today and get ready for Brian Mahoney. Mahoney of the Associated Press next. It is the Extra Point. Tune in right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Listen to rewards for you with the KDOS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDOS 1060 app. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Continuing our NBA conversation, getting some more about the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA East, we pop on out to the KDOS hotline, joined by Brian Mahoney with the Associated Press. Brian, it's Bob and Kayla. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day, so no complaints here. Um, Let's get started, though, and go back in time to the trade that sent Kevin Durant to the Suns, Mikkel Bridges and Cam Johnson to the Nets. When that deal was made, were the expectations for the Nets to still make the playoffs? And therefore, how surprising has this stretch been for them to be a six seed? It was their goal to still make the playoffs. Uh, that's why they kind of really wanted to get, you know, uh, they didn't want necessarily picks. They wanted players. Uh, so getting Bridges and Cam Johnson uh, really kind of fit the need for them. We didn't know if they still could make the playoffs. Uh, but to their credit, every time they started to get a little wobbly, they righted themselves again and, uh, you know, had a real nice finish to get that six seed. Jacques Vaughn took over for uh, Steve Nash early in the season. How would you, I, I certainly I, I assume you assess Vaughn's performance is, is good. Uh, what's, what's he done the, the most that has impressed you? Well, I think he did a great job because when he took over, you know, that was right there. And obviously Kyrie Irving was suspended uh, by the team still. So it was uh, not only were they losing games, but it was a real turbulent time. And I think he just, you know, he's got a great way of communicating with the players, I think. You know, he, he's honest and, he, you know, confident. He, what, what he says, he, he tends to believe, I think. And uh, the players bought in, and, uh, you know, he made a couple of changes that all worked. And, 
you know, they took off right after that and had a you know real great stretch across December into January before Kevin Durant got hurt. Brian Mahoney with the Associated Press here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. Uh, back to Mikhail Bridges here. He has 11 30-point games in a Brooklyn uniform. He only had two in a Suns uniform in his career. So aside from getting the green light to shoot and be an offensive uh, initiator for the Nets, from your perspective, what have you seen from off, uh, Bridges' offensive game? What has impressed you? Uh, you know, I think it's, you know, he, he just has such a confidence right now. I think... You know, right before the trade, he kind of brought it up. They actually played here in Brooklyn just before the trade. He had a real nice game there. And I think that gave him confidence that, you know, once he became a number one option, which obviously wasn't Phoenix, you know, he was going to, you know, play into that role pretty well. And, uh, you know, certainly his jumper's been falling. He's taking the ball aggressively to the basket. He's doing things that I think maybe he knew he could do, just didn't have the opportunity. And, uh, you know, that's part of the reason they made the playoffs, because he played, I think, so much better than even they would have hoped. So what has Cam Johnson added to the Nets? Well, you know, good shooter, uh, you know, good length in, the, in that, you know, uh, they've been, you know, what they've become of is a team where they can put, you know, four guys out on the wings and defend pretty well. They have good size. Cam Johnson, you know, works well in the system that they're doing there, and, you know, they can sort of switch any matchup now. Uh, defensively, they've been pretty good in that regard. So uh, it's been a nice fit. And obviously, you know, I think him and Bridges being such good friends, uh, you know, it's it's helped build a culture here. It was, obviously, things were really bad in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, the players weren't happy with management, vice versa. And it's just a good group of guys now, I think, and both of them certainly have really, really helped in that regard. Staying with Cam Johnson here, there is that issue of his contract upcoming. Uh, he'll be a free agent. So has this at all played into what the Nets' decision could be? And what do you think happens for Cam Johnson this offseason? I think they want to keep him. Uh, you know, he's you know shown here that he should be a keeper. I think. You know, obviously you never know where numbers go and how many teams are interested. Things like that that could sway things. But I think if the Nets had their way, uh, they'd want to keep him. Uh, he's certainly you know been a nice addition to their team, and I don't see why they wouldn't think it'd be the case going forward. So matching up against Philadelphia, how do you see that going? I need a little help. I need some convincing, by the way, regarding Philadelphia. Uh, so, you know, if I, if you, you want to try to convince me that I should pay more attention to Philadelphia and believe more in them, or you, uh, maybe kind of in the same boat here. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm with you a little, I, I think they're good enough to, to beat the Nets. I don't think they're good enough to do much more. And depends how much sense you want to put into them. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Philadelphia is as good as, you know, Milwaukee or Boston. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, the, the Nets, uh, I'm very confused to have an answer for Joel Embiid. Um, you know, they, he's going to have a great series, I think. Philadelphia has enough shooting around him that, that I think they should win that series. The Nets just don't have, you know, a, a great offensive firepower right now. Um, you know, they have trouble at any game, so in the playoffs, that'll magnify itself. But but uh, beyond that, I don't think I'd pick Philadelphia to win around beyond the series. Brian Mahoney, Associated Press here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, he's not contributing with the team, Ben Simmons, but he does have two years left on his deal before becoming an unrestricted free agent in 2025. So what options lay ahead for the Nets with Simmons and, and what realistically can happen? Uh, that's a good question, Cal. I, I don't think, obviously, at this point, uh, there's an easy way to trade him. Uh, maybe he had one year left, that'd be one thing, but with two years left, 
that's a that's a tough contract to move unless you really send something out with him that you know to really entice another team. Uh, you know, a draft pick or two, but. You know, it's it's hard to imagine that he's going to get his game back. He's missed so much time now. Obviously, didn't play at all last year. Only played around half the season this year. Um, you know, his body is starting to betray him a little bit. It seems like so. Uh, it's hard to imagine him becoming the player the Nets want, but it's hard to imagine also them being able to move him for something else. It it would be difficult, but I'm sure they're going to try. Brian, while we have you, I want to ask you a little bit about the Knicks, too. What's Randall's status going forward here, and what do you think are the keys to the series against the Caps? Well, I think part of the key is getting him back, and uh, I think he gets evaluated again this Thursday. It will be two weeks uh, since the injury, and, you know, if he's cleared to play, that only gives him a day before the series starts, which is not a lot of time. Uh, certainly, it's a lot to ask him to be ready, but, you know, playing against that Cleveland team with Jared Allen and, and uh, Bowlby up front, it's hard to imagine they could win without Randall. Uh, I do think if he's able to play, it's a great series. Uh, you know, Jalen Brunson is great for the Knicks. Obviously, now how good Nala Mitchell has been for Cleveland. Uh, you know, I, I hope to see it at full strength. If it is, I think it's one of the best series in the first round. You know, staying there with the Knicks, uh, I think Mike Brown should be the coach of the year with what he's done with the Sacramento Kings, but I have seen some arguments for uh, Tom Thibodeau with the Knicks. So what exactly has Tom done with this unit this season to get them now in this this fifth seed position? Well, you know, I think opened up the offense a lot. You know, Tom Thibodeau, and, and I think it bothers him a little bit, is sort of known mostly, uh, almost entirely, is a defensive coach. And the Knicks have had one of the, uh, you know, some of their advanced stats offensively are among the top in the league. So uh, opened it up, played at a faster pace. Uh, Brunson has been, you know, terrific running the show for them. Uh, Emmanuel quickly might be the sixth man of the year. Uh, the bench has been great. So, um, you know, they, they've surprised teams by how fast they played and how well they play offensively. It's totally different than the usual Tom Thibodeau team. Everybody in the East, uh, I assume, is everybody in the East, at least the, the guys that are you know, firmly you know, the top one through four seeds, everybody rooting for the Hawks to beat the Heat, get Spolster and Riley and the Heat out of the way? <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think so. Uh, you know, I think Philadelphia would have found a way if they needed to, to to tank at the end to make sure the Nets finished ahead of the Heat. But I don't think they wanted to play the Heat. And, uh, you know, whoever, you know, if the Heat wins, yeah, that playing game, I don't think Boston's looking forward to playing them. That's a that is a veteran team with some really good players with a great you know culture, great leadership. The kind of team you expect to see much later in the series, not in the first round. So um, yeah, if the Heat if the Heat get through Atlanta, then uh, yeah, they they there's certainly a reason to think they can they can make a run here. He's Brian Mahoney, Associated Press, right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, so the Celtics, they got off to this incredible start, and then they hit a bit of a rough patch here. They're they're still finding themselves here as the two seed. Actually, just this morning, I had heard some people with some criticism about uh, Celtics head coach Joe Mazzulla and just uh, maybe not finding a way to connect with all of these young players, Jason Tatum as well as uh, Jalen Brown. They have combined for a ton of points, though, together, so... How do you overall assess the, the ebbs and flows of this Celtics season and what they can do about trying to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals? Well, I think as long as they're healthy, they have a great shot, which you can say about a lot of teams I know. But, you know, when, when Tatum and Brown are both have it rolling, uh, you know, it, it's hard to stop, you know, both of them for sure. But, you know, the key with them, it seems like a lot of the season has been just, you know, they need to have Robert Williams in the lineup at center. You know, he changes everything around defensively for them when he's not in there. 
they're not really, a, you know, a very powerful team uh, in, up front. Uh, you know, they don't have a lot of big bodies beyond that. So uh, they need him. If they do, they have a great shot at it. But if not, then, you know, I don't know that they're good enough to, to compete with, you know, certainly Milwaukee's front line if they met in the conference finals. Nick Nurse, uh, is it just kind of assumed that he's leaving? And does his limbo matter moving forward here in uh, the playoffs? That is a weird situation. Uh, he was so vocal about the fact that maybe he needs to think about going. Uh, so I, when that happens, I think I would be surprised if he stays. And there's going to be openings around the league. We already see a couple of them happening today. So, uh, you know, if he wants to coach and it's not in Toronto, I think he'll get a shot to do it somewhere else. Uh, obviously, he's won a title, a very, you know, well-regarded coach. But uh, just kind of a weird situation that that job would be kind of the way it is before the playoffs even started. Brian Mahoney, Associated Press, right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point, bringing this back to the Brooklyn Nets here. So, obviously, the trade to move on from Kevin Durant as well as Kyrie Irving, return for Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Interesting that uh, those three played more minutes together than James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Obviously, happy that they have the sixth seed, but what's next for the Nets? Okay, if we think that uh, they won't be able to get past the 76ers, they want to add some more pieces here in the offseason. So what's next? What's realistic for the Nets? Well, I, I think, you know, you hate to have to trade Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but I think they did well in those trades. They were able to get not only four starters, but they got some good picks back uh, that they'll be able to use one way or the other uh, in those trades or, you know, to draft and sort of develop. Uh, you know, I don't think it'll take long for the Nets to have their star back here uh, because they can make moves now. And then, you know, if you add a star player to – you know, Bridges, uh, emerging superstar kind of player. Uh, Nick Claxton had a great year as their center. Uh, so there's some pieces here. I think the Nets, you know, could have ended up a lot worse, uh, you know, than, you know, when you trade the kind of guys they did, you expect to sort of go toward the lottery. I don't think that's the case at all. I think they're going to be a playoff team for, you know, years to come the way they're set up. You know, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about the Bucks. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, their situation, the Middleton injury, we saw the Bucks. The Suns saw the Bucks like twice in like two weeks, and that was pretty much it for the season. You see the Bucks much more than I do. What do you think of them moving forward? Well, you know, you mentioned Bob Middleton, of course, is uh, you know we saw last year when he got hurt in the playoffs. That's when you know their run ended. But if he's healthy enough, I think they're the best team. Uh, you know, Giannis is the best player in the game to me. Uh, you know, Brooke Lopez up front. That's such a big front line. Um, you know, they made some nice ones during the season, bringing Joe Ingles in and some of the other stuff they did. Uh, the bench is good. Uh, so, you know, everything is there for them to win again as long as Middleton, you know, is available. And, and I think they can get through the first round even if he can't. But, you know, going forward beyond that, I think they certainly need him to be as close to full strength as possible. Brian, this has been fantastic. Appreciate your time, and we look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thank you both. No problem. Once again, Brian Mahoney there with the Associated Press going around uh, Brooklyn Nets talk and uh, the NBA East. So sounds like he also doesn't necessarily believe in the 76ers as, as much as maybe some other people do, but should be able to get past the Nets just because of matchups.
Agreed. I think there's a line from here to Philadelphia that uh, we could, uh, you know, for people that are skeptics about the Sixers. I'm I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take your calls on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060. If you'd like to join the program, call in now. We'll get to you next. We'll also continue uh, going over the East, who's playing whom uh, moving forward and how all of that is going to break down. 602-260-1060 is the number. And as a reminder, download the the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Uh, the digital department put up a lot of really neat prizes here for the month of April, so sign up and follow along with the instructions to be eligible to be a winner. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDOS AM 1060 and KDOS1060.com. Thanks to Brian Mahoney of the Associated Press for his his time in the previous segment. If you missed any of the conversation around the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA Eastern Conference, you can always podcast over at KDOS1060.com, the KDOS 1060 app, as well as Apple and Spotify. It is the Extra Point here on this Monday, April 10th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Before we get back into the NBA East discussion, Adrian Wojnarowski a few minutes ago reporting that the Timberwolves have uh, suspended Rudy Gobert. He will not travel with the team to Los Angeles and he won't play against the Lakers on Tuesday. Woj's report continues that uh, he is expected to return to the Timberwolves, though, if they lose the game against the Lakers and then will play in the second play-in game. So it's just a one-game suspension for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I kind of take some guts to do that. I think there was uh, some speculation that there's definitely some speculation that was going to happen. Uh, some questions about whether the you know, the powers to be in Minnesota have that much authority, uh, but apparently they do. So good for them in a way, bad for them in another way. <laughs> So that obviously is impacting the NBA West with the Timberwolves and the Lakers facing off on Tuesday. Uh, That game is set for 7 p.m. on TNT. Over in the East, you have the one-seed Bucks, 58-24 and on the season. Chris Middleton expected to rehab his knee and hope to return for the playoffs. Obviously, without Chris Middleton, they played without him significantly this season with injury here. It does change this Bucks team even though you do have Giannis who you could easily make a case for him being the best player in the NBA yeah and I've made that case for several weeks and maybe a couple years now so I'm definitely on board with that we found out with Middleton's absence absence met in the playoffs last year uh, needless to say Uh, so they he's a huge player for them and uh you know, you know, hopefully he's able to go. And uh, I was a little slow to the punch uh, when you talked about the Gobert thing. But, uh, you know, that Lakers nine against Minnesota tomorrow night has gone from, at least in the last you know, 20 minutes or so, gone from seven to seven and a half. See a couple eights out there now, and I imagine it might even go higher because it's uh, two things. One, at least in the state of Nevada, you've got uh, a lot of Lakers fans in the state of Nevada but between that and the fact that you know this is obviously a, a huge personnel you know, announcement or decision that the the wolves have made, that's got I would assume that 
you know, whether it's you know, a regional thing or not, that that number is going to go even higher. Uh, yeah, currently it moved to seven and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And as you pointed out, uh, Rudy Gobert facing up against uh, Anthony Davis, even though Rudy Gobert doesn't really contribute a whole lot on the offensive side of the ball. Sure does on defense. I mean, uh, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, I guess Jaron Jackson's going to win the Defensive Player of the Year award, but that's been Gobert's kind of one of his things in recent years. And uh, this line actually opened at five and a half. Uh, yesterday afternoon uh, so uh, as I mentioned you said seven and a half and you know, there are some eights out there and I haven't looked offshore or anything yet but uh, I would imagine this it's certainly I can't imagine it's going to go back down so it's uh, how high does it get uh, at this point if you're you're probably late to the party if you're going to bet on the Lakers in this game Back to the East. The two seed is the Celtics, 57 and 25. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown have both at least scored 25 points in the same game 33 times. That's pretty incredible. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's pretty darn incredible from those two players. But obviously the Celtics, the ebbs and flows that they've had this season and then trying to get back to the NBA finals. Yeah, I thought Brian made a really good point, too, about, uh, you know, Williams. Uh, Robert Williams is such a big deal for them because, uh, yeah, Horford's still a very effective offensive player. I don't think he's as effective defensively, and uh, I, can't, I can't imagine that, you know, back in the day I would have uh, imagined we're sitting here in 2023 still talking about uh, Horford being an effective player, but he's been really good. But you know, their defensive numbers really suffer when Williams is not playing. I, I think you make a point there. And, and for Horford, sometimes you kind of think to yourself, when is the wheels going to fall off for him just because he's been doing this for so long? But if you go back to last playoff series, he was dragging yeah. the team at some points. Yeah, well, I remember just last year he had some big-time games, and I remember thinking, man, how long is he going to keep doing this? And uh, he helped them obviously uh, get to the finals. And, uh, you know, I just mentioned that series uh, against Milwaukee last year when Middleton wasn't able to play. Horford was a big part of them winning that series. The three seed is the 76ers, 54-28. and 28. Uh, They have lost in the second round four times in the last five seasons. They're taking on the sixth seed Nets. Mikhail Bridges, 11 30-point performances in his time in a Brooklyn uniform, and we obviously talked a little bit about that with Brian Mahoney in the previous segment. But for the 76ers, uh, I think at this point they have to get past that second-round hurdle. That's true. As far as the first game of the first round, uh, this game opened Philadelphia eight and a half and seems like eight is the universal number now. So there's been some action on the Brooklyn Nets, at least early in the, the first 24 hours after that number was posted yesterday. Four seed Cavaliers, 51 and 31. Donovan Mitchell, uh, he changed the outlook of this team. They take on the five seed Knicks, 47 and 35. Julian, Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, and RJ Barrett have scored 20 plus points in the same game 12 times this season. But also, Randle and his particular situation is uh, really impactful for this Knicks squad. Right. As Brian mentioned, he's going to be uh, looked at. Uh, it's been two weeks this week on Thursday, I believe it is. Uh, that uh, you know, since uh, he went down and they're supposed to reevaluate at that point. Not surprisingly, uh, it seems as if uh, all the early money has been on Cleveland. Uh, at least in game one, they're a six-point favorite uh, pretty much everywhere, it seems, uh, in that uh, game. That game's on Saturday, game one of that series in Cleveland. 
The seven seed Heat, 44 and 38, take on the eight seeded Hawks, 41 and 44. Jimmy Butler is still Jimmy Butler, but will anyone be consistent around him? The Hawks turned it over to Quinn Snyder, and since he's been the coach, the team averages 123.3 points per game. The winner will play the Celtics. The loser will get one more chance to continue on with their playoff run. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that the Celtics, uh, they should, I'm sure, I, I'd assume they're having a team party and rooting like hell for Atlanta. Bring those dudes on because they can't guard us. Uh, Miami is going to beat you up, and even if you lose the series, they're going to beat you up. And uh, Miami, I'm a little surprised there's been a, there's been action on Atlanta in the game tomorrow night. This game opened five and a half, and I see uh, you know, pretty much four and a half, even one four at least in the state of Nevada at this point. Uh, the nine seed Raptors, 41 and 41, uh, feels like this team has more questions than um, maybe if they actually want to be here just because of Nick Nurse's status and it seems like half the roster. Uh, 10 seed Bulls, 40 and 42, last in the NBA in three-point makes and attempts. The winner will play the loser of the 7-8 seed and the winner of that contest will then play the Bucks. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. You know, I don't trust the uh, the Bulls to begin with. I just there's some players on their roster that I'm not particularly fond of. Uh, so you know, trust status is certainly a, a big thing for me with them. I'm not sure what I'm going to get from the the Bulls from week to, from game to game, let alone uh, you know week to week, month to month during the regular season. And that doesn't change my opinion now. There's been plenty of action here over on Toronto. This game opened four, four and a half, and there's fives and five and a halfs out there now. Uh, so for the play-in contest here, Tuesday, it'll be the Hawks at the Heat, 4.30 p.m. on TNT. The Timberwolves at the Lakers, 7 p.m. on TNT. Then Wednesday, Bulls at Raptors, 4 p.m. ESPN, and the Thunder at Pelicans, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN. So we'll continue to monitor all of that situation, see how the line movement goes. We'll get into maybe a little bit more about uh, the NBA and the, the championship numbers as well uh, as the playoffs are set to get started started but we'll do that a little bit later on in the show as we'll talk some john rom on the other side of the break he is your 2023 masters champion he was down two heading into the final round and he ended up uh being victorious by four so we'll get into a little bit about that from augusta national it is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS. AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Wrapping up hour number one of Extra Point on this Monday, April 10th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. A congratulations goes out to John Rahm for winning the 2023 Masters. Started two strokes behind Brooks Kepka for the final round, went on to win by four. It was kind of an interesting week just because of the weather. And uh, John Rom, Brooks Kepka only got through 
about six holes on Saturday. Play was called, so they ended up playing 30 or so holes on Sunday, and the weather cooperated on Sunday for it to be a very nice day. Breezes were up a little bit, but the sun was shining, and they were able to get all the golf in, and John Rahm uh, winning his first Augusta National Championship, his first green jacket, and his second major. It's just been an incredible run of golf for John Rahm. Uh, Even if you go back to 2022 at the end of the year, but just focusing on 2023, it's included four wins, a third, and a tie for seventh he's been playing really good golf we had when we were previewing everything we were just talking about the big three coming in scotty sheffer scheffler rory mcelroy and uh john rom and how it was very much splitting hairs between these guys rory mcelroy missed the cut scotty scheffler really struggled in round two with his putting i think uh, then it kind of started to affect other parts of his game made a little bit of a run on sunday but ultimately came up short in a title defense we talked about how hard it is to defend your title at augusta national but uh here's some numbers for you john rom he gained 3.5 strokes t to green in the final round so a master class of ball striking and he gained 1.21 strokes per round on approach for the week again just incredible ball striking for john now bob i don't know if you saw this about john and his start to the round on thursday and how he four putted the first hole you told us about that i remember that okay so he four yeah. putts the first hole, doubles his his first round or first hole to start things off. That's not what you want to do uh, to to get your masters going. But apparently, there's a funny little story about all of this because there was a text message in a group chat between J.J. Watt, Zach Ertz, and John Rom, and they were wishing John good luck to start the round. And Zach said something along the lines of like, oh, the first hole looks pretty easy. Like that green is very gettable. Go get him. And then he goes out there and he four putts the first hole. So he's hoping that Zach will never send text messages like that to him again. Yeah, I've noticed over the years that athletes are superstitious. Almost all of them, to some extent. Some of them say it's more of a routine than superstition, but you know, I think it's more of a superstition. Yeah, he definitely called it a jinx, and he he hopes he never does that again. Uh, but that's yeah. pretty cool that uh, they're all friends and they they play some golf together, and uh, in all smiles afterward that Rom is hoisting the trophy at the end of the day. Uh, Brooks Kepka, who had the lead going into the final round. He was searching for his fifth major championship, but he was also searching for a four for four conversion rate when he leads heading into the final round. But he came up short with a closing 75, finished in a tie for second with Phil Mickelson, who came out of absolutely nowhere to shoot a final round 65, finishing in a tie for second. His 65 was the lowest uh, score by a player 50 or older in Masters history and honestly like I said it came out of nowhere Uh, obviously we know Phil moved on to the live golf tour and he hasn't really been playing very good golf over there so I guess some good feelings and just in a in a rhythm and a momentum there at Augusta National for him to uh, shoot 65 and he was paired with Jordan Spieth so maybe they were spurring each other on because Jordan Spieth shot a final round 66 as well speaking of Jordan Spieth he finished in a tie for fourth He seems to love Augusta National as he now has his sixth career top five 
at Augusta. The other big story from the tournament, amateur Sam Bennett, he finished low AM and in a tie for 16th. And that is the best result by an amateur since Ryan Moore back in 2005. I mentioned Live Golf. 12 of the 18 Live Golfers made the cut and four finished in the top 20 uh, for the championship. So next up uh, will be uh, the, the PGA championship. But... Some bad news and some sad news for Willie Z fans. Uh, Will Zalatoris, as we know, withdrew from the Masters. Ultimately, he ended up needing another back surgery. And so he is going to miss the remainder of the season. And so hopefully he can get fully recovered, healthy, and back to playing good golf because he was a perennial contender in these major championships and a fun player to watch. But once again, congratulations there to John Rahm and a fun Augusta National event, even though we kind of had to sit through like a a really washed out Saturday and then Sunday was a full day of golf that was a ton of fun. On the other side, though, it'll be hour number two. We'll get into the start for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They took three of four over the Dodgers to get their home opener started. Uh, They're sitting actually atop of the NL West standings as well, at least in the win and loss column. So we'll dive into that and some more Major League Baseball as well. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Speaking of the KDOS 1060 app, plenty of prizes are up on the app right now. So download today, register, and follow along with the instructions to be eligible for some of those neat prizes. Hour number two is next.